0: All right, we're live. Hey everybody. Welcome to the Shots and Tanier Show, Football Outsiders live stream for September eighth, two thousand twenty-two. I am Aaron Schatz, the editor-in-chief of footballoutsiders.com, joined as always by Mike Tanier from Football Outsiders. This is our usual Thursday show. We are now in the season schedule of shows. And this is going to be our Thursday show where we will often have guests and talk about the news of the week in the NFL and then preview the biggest games of the weekend. Before we get to that, I want to tell you about Underdog Fantasy. They're our sponsor. If you are tired of season-long fantasy football leagues, and let's be honest, you're, you've almost run out of time to be in season-long fantasy football leagues. Yes. you want to try out Underdog Fantasy, it is the fastest-growing company in fantasy sports, and you can use promo code OUTSIDERS to double your deposit up to $100. Play in best ball tournaments with $10 million in total prizes, a fantasy team you don't have to manage all season long, or check out their Pick'Em product for prop betting markets even in states where traditional sports bucks are not yet available. The promo code again is OUTSIDERS for free deposit match up to $100 at underdogfantasy.com or you can download their app from your favorite app store. Before we talk about the games this week, let's talk about the big news in the NFL, although I don't think there's a lot to say about it, and that is Les Snead and Sean McVay of the Los Angeles Rams getting extended through 2026. Given that these men just won a Super Bowl, I cannot think of any reason to have a problem with this contract extension whatsoever.
1: Right. I actually thought we were leading into the fact that Dwayne Brown uh, is injured for the Jets. Uh, that's actually what I thought we were leading into. Oh, Dwayne, hey,
0: Dwayne Brown might be injured for the Jets. No, that's also happening. That's yeah, happening. That's- J.K. Dobbins may be still out for a couple weeks for the Ravens. That's happening. Right, but no, I mean, As, I thought the the big news was the contract extension.
1: It is, it is big news. But you're right, it is big news. Is there a critic out there who says, oh, you know, Sean McVay, Sneed, they didn't, they haven't gotten the job done. They didn't get it done last year. Over the last couple of years, so obviously a great place to spend the money, and this team has been spending the money, and these guys have been doing it even recently. I, I was it this morning that the Rob Haverstein contract. Uh, Three-year contract
0: extension for right tackle Rob Haverstein. Yep.
1: Right. We think about this as a team with like a short window that sort of bought a championship. And obviously, yes, they, they brought in some guys and they spent a lot of draft pick. It's it's part of a system. And they got a system in place. And they're going to have it in place for a while. It might, it might collapse in a year or two. But we'll yeah. see. They've done everything they can to extend the Super Bowl window.
0: Also, if they bought a championship, buying a championship is good. Yes,
1: the championship that was good. in the bag. They brought it, they brought it home. Yeah, <laughs> it's not like they bought nine and eight. You know, the goal the
0: the goal is not to be competitive every year. It's to win a championship. Yes. The reason why you try to be competitive every year is because that's the easiest way to put yourself in position to win a championship. But the goal is to win a championship. So if you buy a championship in one year, congratulations, you you
1: did it. I th- I think Derek likes to use the term like the resource sim. Like the NFL is not a resource, sim where the goal is to always make sure you're, you, you know, you're mining your, your resources and bringing them in and creating this longitudinal thing. No, that was to win. It's to right. win. So sometimes the resource allocation might seem a little strange, but when the results are a championship and a team that's one of the favorites to win a championship this year and has at least part of their nucleus moving forward for two or three years, extend the coach, extend the general manager. Yeah. So good job, Los
0: Angeles Rams. Quality team. Uh Todd Singer says, no, the goal to accumulate as many draft picks as possible because stats. Uh, Don't forget, you can comment, by the way. Uh, You can comment in our thread if you're watching on YouTube or Twitch live. The show is on all of our shows. Well, not all of our shows, but the daily. There's 1 p.m. Eastern every day. Watch on YouTube live or on Twitch, and you can comment and be in the discussion with us useful title says I don't think they've done a good job of developing their first round picks. note this is a joke.
1: <laughs> yeah uh, Jason uh, over the cap uh, at overthecap.com was tweeting a lot of information in the last week or so about you know retention of recent draft picks, a number of draft picks on rosters, number of draft picks on team rosters. a lot of fascinating data, a lot of really useful data in there. But it goes back to what Aaron says. The goal is to win. If some team hasn't retained a lot of draft picks, it might be because they traded well or had a lot of veterans. So mm-hmm. there weren't you know, available uh, slots for those players. Sometimes you show me a team that has retained a lot of their draft picks. and I show you a team that's been in last place for a couple of years and still has a bad third round pick from three years ago because they haven't been able to turn their roster and get better. Right.
0: It's like I said in the introduction for this year's Football Outsiders Almanac, which is analytics comes in a lot of different ways. And the main goal of analytics has always been to identify market inefficiencies. Yes. Not to identify market inefficiencies and then just keep doing those same things over and over again, even if they are no longer inefficiencies. Right. And the Rams identified that there was this market inefficiency where draft picks were actually a little bit overvalued and veterans were a little bit undervalued and they took advantage of it.
1: Yep. Like the menu platter version of analytics. Analytics are these commandments and you follow them and, and that's the path, no matter what, to righteousness. No, they were what that's the way it was a couple of years ago. The pendulums move back and forth and smart general managers adjust.
0: Still would like to see McVay go for it more often on fourth down, though. <laughs> there you go. He's got the offense to do it.
1: Well,
0: we always have the uh, Chargers. So <laughs> we always have the Chargers. We'll be talking about the Chargers and the Rams uh, as we preview the biggest games of the week. Don't forget, by the way, you can get all of Football Outsiders picks against the spread by becoming an FO Plus subscriber. Go to FO plus slash subscribe to become an FO Plus subscriber. And I will tell you that our biggest bet of the week is not one of the games we'll be covering on the show. That's right. So if you want to get our biggest, uh, sure bet of the week, you have to go and become an F O plus subscriber and look at the picks, That's look at right. the premium yeah.
1: picks. It's our 7 million star lock of the week. And when you go and be, and you get in there, what you'll see is there's a green, yellow, red system in terms of the level of confidence. Right. And the, the, the games are ranked in terms of confidence. So you can look at that and you can find out what our number one confidence game is. And if you're confident in us, we're confident in that game. That can be your play. doesn't involve some of the marquee teams this week. So it's not one of those, but you can go in and make a, an informed decision. Help, we can help you make an informed decision what you think the best plays should be this week.
0: I will also point out that I have... Finally, finally seemed to design an over-under model that works. I saw that. And I have been trying to do this for years, but we finally, I've put together DVOA with pace, stats, and weather, and gotten good results out of the over-under model. Not great results, but 52.5%. So that's reasonable.
1: That's reasonable
0: and that's for all picks that's not just for the best picks that's for all picks right so um we're going to play around with it and you'll see me tweeting about it and you'll see me mentioning it on this show and if it does well in the first few weeks we'll add that to FO plus 2
1: and if we can put the winners and the over unders together and make a parlay system that's it
0: oh we won't podcast about- The sports books love when you parlay because that's how they get a bunch of their money. Like, despite the fact that every so often there's somebody who gets one of these ridiculous 11 team parlays, Mm -hmm. did you see the guy who had a NASCAR parlay that was like a free play at DraftKings or something? And he did like a four car NASCAR parlay and ended up winning like a million dollars or something.
1: Oh my God, I did not see it. It's like the super exacto, the super trifecta, but for NASCAR.
0: But believe it or not, I'd never heard of any of these people, by the way. No. Despite that, the fact is all those little itty bitty amounts that they make on the sportsbooks make a lot of money that way, actually. It, it adds up. From me. They make a lot of money
1: from me on that.
0: All right. Our first game to talk about is the opener, the big opener, which is an outstanding matchup. Buffalo at the Los Angeles Rams, a Super Bowl champions versus next year's super Bowl champion as everybody has pointed out like i mean the funny thing is like i'm on their bandwagon too bills as the favorites but bills as the favorites means they win in like one out of every eight simulations right so like yeah. it's 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 very likely we will be wrong that the bills are the favorites oh a uh, useful title says we have our name cards swapped so <laughs> ross the producer wants to swap those back i can't see the name cards but I'm actually Aaron. That's Mike. Um, This is, uh, if you watch the show in years past, you know that I run uh, what are the most important games for Super Bowl odds and playoff odds as far as, uh, you know, what will change if a team wins or loses. This is the most important game for Super Bowl odds, although it may surprise you what is the second most important game for Super Bowl odds.
1: It's it surprised me. I just look at I just looked at the document and I'm surprised.
0: Yeah, Green Bay Minnesota is the number two most important game for Super Bowl odds, which I thought is kind of interesting.
1: Now, now I'll say this: I can look at that and I can see why a Packers loss is a division loss, is a conference loss, is a potential. Mm -hmm. All these things in terms of tiebreakers that could happen to the Packers if they lose to the Vikings, in addition to it being suggesting that holy cow, the Packers aren't that good. Right. remember,
0: Remember, our projections have the Vikings only a little itty bit below the Packers. Right. So a Vikings
1: loss does all the exact same things for the Vikings. Right. I think in my mind, a Vikings win means I should take the Vikings seriously. And maybe I don't know if that's built into the system as well. But it's different for this game because I look at this and say it's out of conference and things like that. Win or lose, this isn't going to have a huge tiebreaker impact for either. No, teams.
0: it doesn't have a huge tiebreaker impact. It's just that these are two of the teams with the strongest chance of going to the Super Bowl. So every win and loss matters. Uh, right. If they win, Buffalo's odds of going to the Super Bowl are 26%. If they lose, it's 18 Okay, and if yeah. the Rams win, it's 17, and if they lose, it's 11.
1: Wow. You really see the difference between the NFC and the AFC there, too, just from what you told me. I mean,
0: the Bills are not only our best team, but, I mean, here's the thing. I, I, we talked about this in the projections. We don't actually have the best AFC teams ahead of the best NFC teams. Right. It's just that the NFC teams have all these teams that – NFC has all these teams that suck. Right, right. And the AFC doesn't have those it's that the afc is like every every division in our projections at least except for the south every division either comes out all good like the west or like you know the jets might be spunky and the browns will get to watson back for the last six weeks and so and the steelers should have a good defense and like there's nobody like the giants and the panthers and the falcons and the seahawks and the Bears, who are all at like the bottom of the NFC, those teams don't exist in the AFC this year if our numbers are accurate, which of course they never are because they represent the mean of a range of possibilities. And there will be really bad AFC teams. We just don't know which teams they are yet. And I definitely believe there will be more really bad NFC teams than AFC teams. That's what makes the AFC harder. It's not, the good NFC teams are really good. It's just that if you're in the NFC, you also get to pick on those losers.
1: We need like a sound clip that we can play of you saying the Jets might be spunky. We need that <laughs> as, as sort of the default uh, for, for our intro to the show or something like that. But no, you're absolutely right. It, it, and like whenever we're trying to do p- just on the radio or anything, well, what are your picks? The NFC, I know you you, you grab the Eagles. Yeah. but Generally, you're picking three teams or you're saying, well, this is the surprise pick if these things happen. AFC, you either pick Bills as chalk, but then you've got this panoply of possible teams to choose from. And that, again, should hurt the Bills' chances moving forward because there's just too too many ways that they could get knocked out of that. But it doesn't
0: because the Bills are the best projected team. They're the only team that's projected in the top five in all three phases of the game. The question about this game is life without Tredavious White. Yes. It's interesting because... The flip is also true in that the Rams have no Van Jefferson.
1: Right. But that's different. Losing <laughs> your
0: third receiver is a much easier thing to overcome than losing your first cornerback. Cause it's like, all oh, right, yeah, so they're gonna have to use some of Ben Squaronic or maybe the like invisible Tutu Atwell. Invisible because he only weighs <laughs> six pounds. And so if he turns sideways, you can't see him. <laughs> Uh, but also invisible because he has he didn't play at all as a rookie. Right. But um, the bigger question is like who covers Cup? I mean, you know, let's assume Robinson is good is not what he was last year. Who covers Robinson and who covers Cup?
1: That, that also dovetails. We had a question of the day about Cup, did we not?
0: Yes, question of the day. I completely forgot. I need to get back in the question of the day mindset. The question of the day is Cooper Cup and how many receiving yards does he have this year? Yes. A, over 1,800. B, 1,600 to 1,800. C, 1,400 to 1,600. And D, under 1,400. Now, remember, Cooper Cup had 1,950 receiving yards last year but he had never had above 1,200 in a season before.
1: It's such a high number. When we're way up in the stratosphere, like for A and even B, repeating that is so rare in the NFL. Again, you'd have to scale it because it was 16 games. But we're talking about 100 and how many targets was it? 191 targets last year. And I feel like if everything is going well and we do see Jefferson soon – and Allen Robinson is what we think he is, and OBJ appears, etc. we're just not going to see 191 targets, especially when a lot of opponents are going to be taking Cooper Cup out. That said, it does speak to this game. We have somebody who is a 12-13 target per game weapon here for the Rams, and I don't see an obvious solution for the Bills besides out, getting the shootout and outscore them or get the sacks before Stafford can get rid of them.
0: I mean, especially if Cup, if Cup, if Cup is in the – slot i would think teron johnson is going to be covering him and that's That's... a good nickelback but he's not cooper cups equivalent no right whereas the rams if you've got a top slot receiver the rams will put jalen ramsey in the slot and shut you down the bills don't have that guy right now
1: right they don't have any of the guys out there right now There, it's it's a lot of talent but it's not somebody to say yeah we can move this person around this can shadow a number one that person doesn't exist, and they're going to keep Cup in the slot a lot. I think one of the guys we might see is this young man McCutcheon, who had a really good preseason, um, and I know I think he's going to be active tonight. And he's somebody who can be on the outside. You can put him on one outside. You can put Robinson on the other outside. You can put Cup in the slot. It doesn't have to be Tutu Atwell, at five foot six, <laughs> trying to run the the outside route. So I don't know. Useful title went with D. Uh, yeah. Two.
0: A that's return crazy. to Cup's mean season is what he suggests. Uh Kubiak, I will point out, has 1550.
1: So Kubiak goes with C. I, I'm comfortable in C. That's like that's the range of a wide receiver one on a good team that's not having a career season, and that feels that feels right for Cup. Um
0: I will uh say thinking about the receiving uh, you know, Squironic had minus 18.7 DVOA last year, and that's a small sample size. But in last year's Rams offense, it's kind of tough to be that bad. That's like the Aaron Moorhead, you know, with the only receiver to ever suck with Peyton Manning. Um, and Atwell is unknown. The the Bills uh, were interestingly weak last year. I mean, compared you know, they were absurdly good on pass defense. They were comparatively weak. Mm-hmm. against tight ends and running backs in the passing game, except, I mean, the Rams use Higby some, but he's not like yeah. a stellar tight end, and they don't really pass to their running backs very much. Like, we, we've we heard over and over again, once Acres is healthy, they'll pass to him. Once Acres is healthy, they'll pass to him. But for the last couple of years, the Rams have not passed to running backs. They just don't do it.
1: No, it's it's some swing passes, it's some screens. But it's not this dynamic thing where you're trying to get like the running back open in a variety of different ways.
0: Stringfellow Hawk points out the Bills' defensive line will be a problem tonight. And I will point out the Bills and Rams were two and three in defensive pressure rate last year, and the Bills now have Von Miller and the Rams now do not have von miller but still have aaron donald so i think there'll be a lot of pressure in this game and there are questions about offensive line for both teams the Rams are starting a kind of journeyman named coleman shelton as their right guard Mm. and the bills have david Quessenberry at right tackle who was very weak for the titans last year
1: yeah we could see a lot of pass rush i was trying to look at the over under of this game i i had it in my head that like the third day night opener might be a low scoring game it turns out that Thursday night openers have gone over in seven of the last ten seasons. So seven of the last ten seasons has been a relative shootout. I was thinking of that Falcons-Eagles game. That's probably what was in my head a couple of years ago when Nick Foles got the start. Um, but I, I, you know, I, I feel comfortable saying this game could very well go over despite that because I think there's going to be a lot of passing opportunities, particularly for Cup.
0: So home teams, the Super Bowl champions hosting the opening game, are 10, four, and three against the spread since they started doing that? That includes the year that the Patriots hosted on Sunday night instead of Thursday night uh, because that they has- started with Chicago Green Bay because it was the NFL's hundredth anniversary.
1: Now are they weather controlled out there in Los Angeles in that? Because it's-, it's a
0: very interesting stadium. I've actually was dealing with this year trying to figure out how to how to um, classify it. It has a roof, but the sides are open. So I don't know whether it counts. It should count as an indoor stadium
1: or outdoors,
0: and the evidence is sort of split.
1: The temperatures uh, in Los Angeles, right now they're about 98, and they're going to be high for the rest of the day. But I don't know what that means on the field. I will tell you I've been close to that roof. I was there for the Super Bowl. It's like being in a hothouse. You could grow orchids there. Um, so I don't, but I don't know who that favors. It's not like it's a December game in Buffalo or, or anything like that, but I guess right. if there's a home field advantage in extreme, uh, humidity, then it would go towards the, uh, go towards the Rams. But again, I don't know what the conditions are right at field level.
0: Yeah. So my feeling about this game overall is it's, I think it's a close, great battle, but even though the bills, I think are the better team for this year, I feel like the line bills are favored by two and a half on the road sort of discounts home field advantage a little too much and like what it will mean emotionally for the Rams to, to mm-hmm. get, you know, the banners and be super bowl champions and hosting the opening game. So I like the Rams to cover and maybe even upset the bills in this game. Uh, I think it's, I think it's too close. It's 250 50 50 to be taking the bills minus two and a half. I, I I would take the Rams and maybe even like the Rams on the money line because it's, it's unlikely that the Rams cover and don't win. If they cover, they're going to win.
1: Yeah, you're right. The two and a half points, I like the Rams too. I like the Bills overall in the season. I like the Rams in this matchup because of Tredavious White and everything you said. But you're right. I don't know if the two 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 and a half points are worth it when I can get a plus 120 money line. Might be a game time decision which one I do there. Plus 120 is reasonable. A little more meat on the bone there. The, uh, the
0: over-under is 52, by the way. And the new system likes an under 52, but not by very much. Right. That's
1: right on the number for me, too. All
0: right. Let's start talking about Sunday games. And the best 1 p.m. game is pretty clear. And that is Pittsburgh at Cincinnati because they are – the defending AFC champions. And this is the most important game of the week for playoff odds. Playoff
1: odds, not Super Bowl Cincinnati
0: odds. makes the playoffs yeah. in 57% of our Sims if they win, but only 31% if they lose. Okay. Pittsburgh makes it 52% of the time if they win, but 26% if they lose. The line is Bengals minus 6.5.
1: That is a lot of points to lay for the Bengals. That is a lot of points to lay. And part of it is I, I'm like the public here. I'm having a hard time with getting my mindset around the Bengals as a defending champion and the Steelers as the team in a rebuilding phase right now. Now, right. last three see, games.
0: Yeah. It's also like you numerically, if you're a football outsiders follower, you have to think, first of all, you have to think what the Bengals are historically is not what they are now. But also right. what they look like now in the playoffs was not what they were in the regular season and there's right. more likely to be closer to the regular season bengals than to be a super bowl quality team but at the same time they're likely to be better than last year because they fixed their offensive line problems <laughs> so it's
1: complicated very complicated now the bengals have won the last three meetings one and covered the last three meetings before that, it was the Steelers' seven straight ties. But again, this is the public mindset. This is me thinking the Steelers are the Steelers, the Bengals are Bengals. This big winning streak. All the things that you spoke to more recently, the, the, the Bengals team with the Joe Barrow and the Jamar Chase and things like that, and the Steelers team with the archaic Ben Roethlisberger now moving to Mitch Trubisky, I'm definitely leaning Bengals in this game. My question is, am I leaning six and a half towards the Bengals when we know that the Steelers have this capability of keeping things closed, getting sacks and turnovers, causing the sort of mayhem that leads that can lead to a backdoor cover. Bengals were 27th last year against number two receivers. Okay. I
0: know Eli Apple played better in the playoffs, but during the regular season, there was a clear difference between a woozy and Apple. So I would definitely go after whoever Apple's covering. And I think that that could be a nice game for chase Claypool
1: or George Pickens. Right. Although we don't know who it is and that's a problem because the, the, you know, They're similar style of receivers in addition to everything else. You can't say, well, this is a boundary guy. He's going to get those deep opportunities. It could be either of them.
0: Yeah. The other thing I was going to say is uh, the Steelers were so low in pressure rate on offense last year. What does that look like with this garbage offensive line they have and no big bend to get rid of the ball fast? The Bengals pass rush was lauded during the playoffs. It really was not that good last year. Like, yeah, Trey Hendrickson is good, but yep. they were only 22nd in pressure rate during the regular season. But this is an offensive line they should be able to get through.
1: Agreed. And I think we're going to see a similar Steelers offense to what we saw last year, getting rid of the ball quickly and you know, swinging the ball out and trying to get a lot of yak on that end. I feel comfortable that Trubisky is going to do – What Trubisky lacks that Roethlisberger had, that incredible amount of experience and and ability to make the pre-snap read and get the ball out, has been replaced by being able to throw and move. And I think that's going to be a net positive for the Steelers' offense this year.
0: Yeah. All right. So if you had to pick it, Bengals minus 6.5. I said if I have to pick it, I'm going
1: Bengals. I'm taking Steelers. I'm taking Steelers and grabbing those points and going all the way to the bank with it right now. I'm, I'm I'm excited for the Bengals overall. But I think the Steelers are a borderline playoff team right now, and that's too many points to give in this matchup. I'll point out also the total is 44 and a half, mm. and the over-under
0: formula says that's pretty much right on the nose.
1: Okay. I'm going to steer clear yeah. of it, though.
0: Yeah. All right. Kansas City at Arizona. Let's go to the late window, 4 p.m. in Eastern time games. So this is interesting. The Chiefs uh, originally were favored by two and a half in this game. It's now moved to five and a half, including in the last day, it's gone from four to five and a half because of some injuries on the Arizona defense, which we already had a lot of questions about. If you've watched us do preview shows or you've heard me on any podcast, you've heard me talk about how the Cardinals defense has been shockingly good in DVOA the last couple of years. Given the personnel, it doesn't make any sense. And when you look at the personnel on this defense, you're like, how is that even possible? And my God, is this team really going to start Dennis Gardeck as one of their edge rushers?
1: <laughs> I don't know, but J.J. Watt is one of the injuries. Yes. Zach Ertz is one of the injuries. And this is an example of what happens when you don't necessarily put a coherently planned team together. I don't look at the Cardinals and say, this is co- coherently planned to win now or rebuild or, or you know slow build or whatever. You've got a couple of veterans who, especially in Watt's case, have not been reliable recently and you're relying on them in week one by the way that line is down to six now it's it's minus six for the chiefs
0: as i think oh my god just in the time we've been doing this show the line moved
1: yeah and i think that's people taking a good long hard look at the cardinals overall roster and saying what what is what is this again remember there's no no new new copkins this week as well so like your your madden version of the cardinals is not the cardinals team that's going to be out there
0: yeah, and uh, I will also point out uh, Arizona's defense last year, third against wide receiver one, but okay. 26th against wide receiver two and 28th against other wide receivers. So for a Kansas City team that's going to, uh, you know, probably be spreading the ball around a lot more than they did last year, that is a plus. Like, they're, they are depending on Trayvon Mullen, who came over from the Raiders like a week and a half ago, and Marco Wilson and Byron Murphy is the slot corner. Mark, but Byron Murphy is probably the best of the corners. He's the yes, slot he's the corner. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, I kind of feel good about their chances against Travis Kelsey with Buda Baker and Jalen Thompson as the safeties. But I just – the secondary is iffy. The edge rush is one guy. The edge rush is Marcus golden. Like, that's
1: yeah. it. Yeah. One B-plus kind of guy, maybe B kind of guy. You had me at Trayvon Mullen. Folks, if, if you're like – Hey, we have a solution to our to our secondary problem. We're gonna to go to the Raiders and get one of the Gruden Mayock guys that Josh McDaniel doesn't want. That's not a solution. That's not a solution. I I know that Mullen, you know, was less of a bust than some of the other guys, but that's definitely a problem for you.
0: Yeah. And the Cardinals, Cardinals were 30th. I don't, I I still, again, I don't know how 30th. the Cardinals had such a good defensive DBOA. They were top 10. It boggles the mind. They were 30th in defensive pressure rate last year, and now they don't have
1: Chandler Jones. And I they th- replaced him with nobody. Right. Well, I, I mean, I know Jones was really good pass rusher. Did they stop the run well? What, what were they doing?
0: I last... think they were stopping the run well, and they were surprisingly good against number one receivers. And right. their pressures turned into sacks at a high rate, I guess. Like, I, I'm not exactly sure. Uh, they blitz a
1: lot. I guess, <laughs> yeah, they blissful <play> lot. <laughs> I guess my question is how far does the spread go before I stop liking the Chiefs? I think I still like the Chiefs at minus six. I will tell you earlier that I was able to see the Chiefs money line and the under. And I guess we're going to talk about your under system. Chiefs money line and under was at plus 165 earlier. And that was tempting, but feeling it's not there anymore. My system actually likes the under on this game. Yeah. Yeah, I think I looked it up. Under
0: 53.5.
1: Right. Yeah, because I'm looking at this like potentially like, you know, 24 to 13 or something like that, a Chiefs win, where I'm like concerned about the under. Uh, And again, as we get up around a touchdown, I'm concerned about the Chiefs. But I think the Cardinals were just sort of overvalued on the books, just sitting there on the books. There was all that, oh, Tyreek's gone in the public eye. The Chiefs are taking a step back. And now money's actually going in. <laughs> money's actually going in. So what was we were talking about last week, two weeks ago at the books, that's not there anymore because actual uh, rubber is hitting the road. And that's why we're seeing this line get to about minus six. Yeah. All right.
0: Uh, let's, let's talk about Vegas and the Chargers. Rematch Ooh. of that awesome game from week 18 of last year. Only this time nobody wants to tie. Line is Chargers minus three and a half. Now here's an interesting thing. The total is 52. This is the strongest over under in the system, under 52 on this game, which sounds surprising, but the Chargers actually played at a slow pace last year. You think of them as being really offensively powerful, but they actually played at a slow pace. So it suggests a little bit fewer points in this game. Uh, And of course they're missing JC Jackson. So that's a real problem. They were 31st against wide receiver one last year. And JC Jackson was supposed to be the solution to that problem. And I don't know if you know anything about the uh, current Las Vegas Raiders roster, but they have a pretty good wide receiver one now.
1: <laughs> that they have. They put a pretty good wide receiver one, pretty good wide receiver one and a half or 1.3 or whatever you want to call Hunter Renfro. Uh, that is going to be a problem for the Chargers. But you've got me interested in that under now because I hadn't noticed the Chiefs slow pace. The Raiders look like a team that's going to play at a more deliberate pace this year as well, especially what we've seen in the uh, uh, preseason, which was a lot of Josh McDaniels putting a fullback on the field and also using a lot of 12 personnel and doing a lot of toss crack and looking like the uh, the Mac Jones Patriots or the or – the, uh, the Jimmy Garoppolo Patriots or whatever you want to call the non or Brady has gotten kind of old Patriots that he ran in the past these are two teams that could despite the shootout last week last year be very methodical going up and down the field right they
0: went under the number in the first game last year when these right. teams played the first time last year the number was 52 and they went under so it's not like they blew away the number both times um Gratius asks is the Chargers defense good enough to stop the Raiders for the under Or will there be many garbage time touchdowns? Our defensive projection for the Chargers is phenomenally good this year. Well, okay, that's overstating it. It's pretty good. It's like top five, but, of course, the defensive projections are more condensed. So top five projection doesn't actually mean you'll end up in the top five. Right. But, I mean, they added, you know, the Chargers added a Mac. The Chargers added Sebastian Day, uh, Joseph Day. They added – Uh, obviously they, you know, they don't have J.C. Jackson for this game, but they added J.C. Jackson in general. So that helps their general defensive projection, although, you know, not for this game, Um, you know, full year of uh, hopefully of Derwin James and Sam with more experience and Joey Bosa is there. And our projection for the Chargers defense is pretty good.
1: Yeah. And so much of when I would watch that run defense last year, I, it really looked like there were lapses, like things that could be corrected by coaching and just stunning lapses. And a good example was in that week 17, week 18 game. Um, I'm pretty sure there was a third and 20 draw play conversion by Brandon Jacobs. Yes. And like and whenever that happens, it's almost like I'm not going to say it's unrepeatable, but it's like this foobar at about 15 different levels that happens. And, you know, you, you solve that a little bit with Joseph day out there instead of Tillery, although who knows a third and 20, maybe you've got your pass rush guys out there. You solve those kind of things schematically. And you solve those kind of things just by like not having fundamental breakdowns. And uh, those are some of the things I think the chargers can count on this year.
0: Yeah. It's um, it's also, by the way, the Raiders, they're going to run, I think a good amount. Yeah. And they're also going to frustrate the hell out of fantasy owners by constantly pinging between all their running backs Agreed. josh jacobs is not going to be the clear starter all indications are there's going to use plenty of of brandon bolden and amir abdullah in the amir abdullah playing the old james white role and then uh, zamir white the rookie yeah um yeah. so just fantasy players be aware there's going to be a lot of frustrations
1: yeah amir abdullah will play until he fumbles and then so midway through the first quarter, and then we'll see some more of Spear White and, so, and some Brandon Bolden in there.
0: You know, it's interesting.
1: I really like the
0: chargers this year. And in fact, you know, I, the numbers like the chargers as the favorite in the division. I like the chargers as the favorite in the division, but I would not be shocked if Vegas won this game. Like JC Jackson is a really big piece to be missing when you have to play against Devontae
1: Adams. Yeah, that's big. And I guess you have to lay, three and a half points to take the chargers yeah and and that's that feels like a lot against an opponent that has made significant upgrades and yeah did play them to the wall and take a win in in, in week 18 etc i don't have a good feeling about this game but if i absolutely had to ugh.
0: I would skip it. <laughs> but yeah, but, I, mean, I, I would go under 52. I'm, I'm the, the go system likes to under 52. Now, watch me like introduce this new system and then they go out and this game is 41 to 38. But
1: you know, I mean, I, I, there's a world where that can happen. Both defenses can be weaker than advertised, turns into a passing shootout. Could also right. see that, but I like the under right now. I just I don't like three and a half. Give get, get me down to like, give me the field goal and then I might be a Chargers fan. Yeah. Uh, Green
0: Bay at Minnesota, um, the game between two teams with lots of new defensive pieces and the Packers trying to figure out who on earth Aaron Rodgers is throwing to this year. Is Romeo Dobbs going to really be like the greatest thing since sliced bread? Because I, my feeling is no. Like usually the hype on a lower round wide receivers uh, turns out to be nothing. 99 times out of 100. Your Marcus Colstons are few and far between.
1: Yes. Yeah, and and he came kind of from nowhere that season long ago. Um, Alan Lazard is on the injury list also. So when you talk about who is he going to throw to, now it is week one, which means Sammy Watkins is healthy because it's week one and only week one. Um, But, yeah, I'm actually uh, trying to look for some uh, props here. And right off the bat, I'm looking at props, and there's nobody listed for the Packers. Now, who All wants the bets on
0: Christian Watson above, over, under thirty yards or something. You know,
1: what a, what, what, what a prop. The bet. I mean, I'd probably take over on that because you know the, the ball is. Rodgers has to
0: throw to somebody.
1: Rodgers has to throw to somebody, and it it would be Watkins or Rodgers. But I think that tells you what Vegas thinks of these uh, of this uh, receiving core right now.
0: So I am really interested. This is the game I'm going to watch at four. Because I am really interested to see Kevin Connell running the Vikings offense against this Packers defense that we've talked a lot about this offseason. Yeah. Film people are very high on this. Yes. And the stats do not like this. The Packers have not had an above average defense in years. Right. The idea that they're, by getting a couple of rookies and getting Jair Alexander back from injury, that they're suddenly going to become a top five defense seems absurd to me, but with defenses are so inconsistent, it's certainly possible. But I would also watch for the colossal career year regression from Russell Douglas. I mean, we don't, you know, it's not as easy to measure as career year regression from a wide receiver or a running back. Right. my God, did Russell Douglas have a career year last year that was completely out of line with anything he had ever done before.
1: That's exactly it. And he either suddenly became a totally different player than who we watched in Philly here in year, what is it, year six of his career? And Devondre Campbell also had that massive leap forward season. And, yeah. you know, Preston Smith has this sort of rebound, renaissance-y type season. It's a lot. And, I you know, I saw what the film people saw. But when I look at the stats and I look at the, I guess, the reputations, like the well-earned reputations of these players, it doesn't add up to me for the Green Bay Packers. So I'm generally down on the Green Bay Packers. And I will also mention last three meetings between these teams, we have two outright victories by the Vikings. And we also had one Week 17, Sean Mannion-Kellen Mon Massacre, where the, the, the uh, Packers were uh, trying to get their playoff seedings and just steamrolled them last year. But this tends to be a pretty tight matchup here, and the Vikings have gotten the better of it recently. The line is low. It's yeah. in Minnesota. The Packers are only favored by one and a half. Yeah. Yeah, the Minnesota. house knows. The house knows. We, we can talk about uh, Romeo Dobbs and Christian Watson and everything. The house knows. The house knows that this is a close matchup and that it's been close recently. Groucha um, says
0: the problem with the Packers' defense is depth, and particularly at an edge rusher. And it is yeah, true yeah. that they do not have a lot of depth, at, particularly at edge rusher. I mean, the depth is on the defensive line, where Devontae Wyatt is apparently not a starter. Mm. But it's otherwise, tough. right now, here are their backup edge rushers. 2020 seventh-round pick Jonathan Garman, rookie fifth-round pick Kingsley Enegbare, Okay. And some guy named Tipa Galay.
1: No idea. And normally, I was about to say, you know, very few teams have depth at edge rusher. Yeah. That's the Bills. The Bills have depth at edge rusher. The Bills have lots of depth at edge rusher. Yeah. Right. Or the Buccaneers had it and they've been sort of like now using it as they move forward. But that's extremely bad, weak depth, what you just described. Aaron. Right. Like
0: when we think <laughs> of the Patriots here, just to get local, we think of the Patriots as not having a great edge rush. Mm-hmm. But I'd rather have Josh Uche than any of those other backups I just mentioned. Right, right. I, um, so, I'm yeah, not... and, and, and the other pro- the other problem with the Packers defense is, is I mean, the, the biggest problem is we just haven't seen the results. Like, if you look at the talent of the starters, like forget mm-hmm. about the depth and just look at the starters. If Rasul Douglas does what he did last year, you see it. You do see the top five idea it's just this connect this combination of players you know without the rookies has never done it they've just they've never been a top not when alexander was healthy not last year when alexander was hurt they've just never been a top 10 defense
1: right and i and i wonder how much the reputation i was looking back at it against the bears against the lions i know we adjust for that in dvoa and we adjust and it doesn't look as good yeah they, they faced washington last year they faced Somebody with like their they, they the Seahawks I think during the Geno era I think they got the Seahawks, um. So yeah, th- let's see it in Week One against a fully functional Vikings offense with Kirk Cousins. Whatever you feel about him, it's complete functionality. Yeah, it's it, it, it works properly. And let's see who these Packers really. Are.
0: Alexander against Jefferson. That is a great matchup. That'll, That'll be fun. That will be. You should just have an isolated camera on
1: those two guys. <laughs> I know that's not how they broadcast games, but it would be fun. Wait two years. That'll be on Amazon.
0: I was saying these are two of the top teams in defensive pressure rate last year. Uh, the Dallas defense is not going to be as good. They're not going to have as many takeaways last year, but they still should be pretty good. The offense is a lot of question marks, right? Tyron Smith's injury, yeah. no Michael Gallup. Um, the other problem is Dallas uh, is on defense. The kind of weakness of their defense, I think, is the depth at cornerback. And Tampa, if Godwin Mm -hmm. plays in particular, Tampa is a very deep receiving core. If Julio Jones does have something left, there'll be a lot of Russell Gage and Julio Jones in this game, I think.
1: And a lot of this game, I think, is going to come down to um, which offensive line full of injuries buckles first? Um, Will it be the interior offensive line of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers or will it be the exterior offensive line? of the Dallas Cowboys. And we don't know if Jason Peters is walking right in and starting Jason Peters history suggests he's not at full peak, absolute top conditioning right now. That's not normally a thing that you associate with Jason Peters walking in off the street. So we may be seeing Tyler Smith right off the bat. And if that's the case, I am already looking at what the, uh, what what, what Todd Bowles can throw at you on defense and, and, and leaning towards those Tampa Bay Buccaneers.
0: You have props for this
1: one. These are Game of the Week props, yes? We have props. We have a couple of them here. Uh, One of them, and I'm going to do the less uh, exciting one first, C.D. Lamb over 5.5 receptions. Now, again, I don't know who else is going to be catching passes for the Dallas Cowboys besides C.D. Lamb. 5.5 is low. It's minus 160. It's minus 160, but I feel like there's value there. That even if they're just trying to get the like if the if the Dallas Cowboys offense craters and they're just trying to get things going, that's going to mean swing passes, you know, bubble screens, things like that. To CD Lamb, and I definitely want to go over that five point five for CD. Although minus one sixty is terrible odds. It's terrible. It's terrible. But you know, a lot of the a lot of the props were like that for this game, where it's like here's something you really want to play, and then the action is low. I am going to throw one more piece of uh, gambling advice with you. Every week I'm going to be putting my play out there. And uh, we don't have a name for it yet, but it is my play. Here is my play. Now, all you guys know, I love making fun of the Patriots. I love making fun of Matt Patricia. And that's the offseason. And then the season starts, and I see the Patriots with uh, three and a half. um, And against the Tua Viola experience. So I'm getting to the Patriots getting points against Tua Tagovailoa Viola and the Dolphins. I took the Patriots plus three and a half and the under in a parlay, and I got plus 265. So hopefully we'll be keeping track of this every week. So my play right now is the Cowboys, excuse me, the Patriots in the spread and the under at plus 265. Check back next week. We'll see how we did. But until then, on behalf of Aaron and on behalf of Football Outsiders, thanks everyone for listening. Thanks for watching. Thanks for liking us. Thanks for subscribing. Don't forget tonight, if you want to see Aaron and I with no technical difficulties because it's on Discord, chatting on Discord with all of the Football Outsiders readers, including you, join our Discord channel. It's very easy to do. It's uh, Football Outsiders. You got to make an account. It's free. It's easy. They don't hit you with spam. Apparently, they tell the world when you're playing Civ 6, but you can turn that off, uh, etc., Join us tonight. We'll be there. Also come to footballoutsiders.com. Brian Knowles will be live blogging and he'll be reminding you to take breaks from his live blog to come onto the discord as well. Uh, So do all those things. Come out and hang out with us tonight. Don't forget to play underdog fantasy. They've got a promo. If you use the promo code outsiders, you're going to get a, a, a match for your deposit. Great place to play a lot, a variety of different games, including a new battle Royale game that they have that you'll definitely want to check out. So, do all that stuff on behalf of Aaron, who is now is now <laughs> is now a, a silent Bob of the podcast. Thanks, everyone, and we'll see you and we'll hear you too next week.